In what is known as Alabama's Renaissance City sits the oldest public university of the state. Who or what still lingers in the classrooms and the halls of this university? Students. Let's grab our textbooks, pens and paper, and return to the alma mater of your host and co-host, the University of North Alabama. Whoop whoop, go lads! So pull up a chair, join the circle. Let's introduce ourselves in this weekly meeting of Alcoholic Anomalies. I'm your host, Jason Sparks, and as always, I'm joined by my co-star, the man behind the stand, Bobby Strickland. So to start off, Bobby, you ready to go back to school? I hated school. <laughs> I absolutely hated it. Uh, let's see. Yeah, uh, no, I don't have any desire to go back. I know, I know you're undergrad. You're at school. Good for you. Not me. I'm done with it. Yeah, like you said, I'm, I'm in my master's right now, but yeah, it's, uh, I mean, personally, in my mind, I had a great time in my undergrad, but. I mean, I did too. You just wouldn't do it again. <laughs> it's the best time you never have again. Yeah, it's the best, best $20,000 I spent, you Ooh, know. I mean, that's me. Yeah, you know, that's expensive. It, 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 gets, it gets up there. And like you said, you know, you, you even went through JUCO and, and still, you know, it's. $20,000 for four semesters. <sighs> Let's, uh. Let's not dive too deep into that, because I'm, I'm sure it's, I'm sure it's a little bit more now. That's a that's a podcast on its own. <laughs> uh, how is much... it worth it? <laughs> exactly, and it's gone. Uh, and it's gone. <laughs> <laughs> Future Duohan production podcast coming up. Dun, dun. Uh, dun, dun. <laughs> so to dive into the University of North Alabama's history, the university was first founded in 1830 on what is known as LaGrange Mountain in Colbert County. Big reference for some of our listeners may be Stephen Colbert, who actually had an episode to where he had listeners from Colbert County who were telling him that in Colbert County, we pronounce it Colbert, to where he pronounces Stephen Colbert, as I said, as Colbert. So there is a little bit of differentiation in how you pronounce the name. So who's right and who's wrong? Uh, I, would, I would say it's neither there nor here um here nor there i you don't have to call call me out on a lie on that one um we're at that point bobby but first first three minutes we're already uh we're already at the point but sorry in those words (laughs) that's okay people can't handle it you know can't handle the pressure can't make play not really an athlete yeah not not really a podcast host you know just Mom's too big, huh? Piss, piss is running down my leg right now. <laughs> is that because you're nervous or because you drink too much? Well, let's say a little bit of both. <laughs> so the university was appropriately named LaGrange College and had around 70 male students and three professors until it moved 25 years later across the Tennessee River to Florence, Alabama in Lauderdale County and was renamed to Florence Wesleyan University. In Florence, Wesleyan University's humble beginnings saw the construction of Wesleyan Hall that was built in a gothic nature that one could call a medieval castle and still stands at the university to this day. And kind of like we talked about before this episode, I had classes in this, in, in Wesleyan Hall, and you personally have only been in Wesleyan Hall maybe once. Wait, um, which, which one was that? Which the, one? the, the gothic the old like civil war hospital that one yep or okay yeah yep 
Yeah, one time. That's it. Yeah. And then one time. Yeah. On per a tour. Per personally, I had a few of my general education science classes in there, but past that, that was my experience within Westing Hall. There say were... journal science? General. Oh, general science. I thought you said you had journal science. Like Good old journal science. What are you doing that? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's just notate stuff all day. <laughs> the good old science of journalism. But the school saw a history of change, not only in its name, from going from LaGrange College in 1830 to Florence Wesleyan University in 1855 to Florence State Normal uh, School in 1872 to Florence State Teachers College in 1929 to Florence State College in 1957. They just need to figure out a name at this point. And the bad part is, is I'm not done yet. That's <laughs> that's the worst part about this, Bobby. The Florence State University in 1967. So every 10 years they're changing the name, basically. It's kind of the cadence we're going on. Sweet. I literally have a whole paragraph of them just changing their name. And finally, the University of North Alabama in 1974. Finally, I'm glad they finally found one. They finally like, figured it out, you know. I don't know, but them going D1 now, they might change it again. I mean, it's quite possible. It, the The biggest thing of them going from Florence State University, aka FSU, I think you know was was a, an appropriate change to have made to not one associate themselves with Florence State University, and, you know, not have that confusion. And let's be honest, you know, Florence State University is a much more acclimated school than the University of North Alabama. Of course, I love my alma mater, but in the grand scheme of things, whenever I think of D1 colleges, I think of the University of Alabama, Auburn University, UGA, or even FSU. Northern Alabama University is what they should change it to. NAU. NAU. Uh, I mean, I'm not opposed to that. I mean... Let's just backtrack here to a little bit of a modern day, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. like, I guess, current events. Mm -hmm. That's not any worse than a new logo. F. Okay. <laughs> so, so I actually did want to bring that up, you know, the... Uh... I think that's supposed to be F-L-O, but they made it like F exclamation point, you know? The, that's what I'm guessing is what they're going for. The, the, the current talk topic Bobby is talking about as of this recording of 1-9... I'm sorry, 129-2022, being the uh, the rebranding of Florence City's logo and uh, the debacle that happened with their logo. Tell me, what color is that? Is it green? Um, there were three primary colors: white, a a basically an azure blue, and a green. Um, Florence City Florence City's logo uh, originally was a burnt gold and green yeah but it also had the i don't know what it's called that's called the saints the florida so, lee yes yeah sure yes that's yeah, sounds, sounds right aka sounds sounds cajun you know aka the reason why it's the the renaissance city of alabama <laughs> aka also having the florida lee as their logo i'm still down for the dtf Downtown Florence. Downtown Florence, baby. <laughs> Still all for it. Yep that 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 new logo that they had originally green, green lit and then twelve hours later after the backlash of 
the local populi, uh, <laughs> changed and decided to, you know, go with other designs, um, was uh, admittedly meme to hell. And like you said, DTF was one of the big <laughs> memes that I had personally saw. <laughs> DTF being downtown Florence. Um, I mean, I'm sure there's a, like, doesn't UNA offer, like, graphic design or something like that? Absolutely, it does. Yeah, um. Uh, I'm sure someone from there could come up with something better. And that was some of the discussion we had had um, in in my my personal life, being why not offer up scholarships to UNA students or even high school students who have an interest in graphic design. Screw that. We'll go to elementary school. Honestly. They would do better than that. (laughs) Honestly, not to dive too deep into it, but honestly, I feel the new logo that they had originally decided on, I could design within 10 minutes on... Microsoft PowerPoint. Um, it's gonna be a piece of paper. I'll write it out for you. Honestly, <laughs> it was it it was bad. Um, and twenty five thousand dollars was allegedly twenty. Oh, twenty five thousand dollars was allegedly awarded. If they can give that to me, pay off my student loans, and I'll come up with something ten times better than that in two seconds. I would hope. Uh, it, I, honestly, I don't think it would be very hard. Um, but like I said, I don't, mine's mouth opening. One of the big teeth the canine tooth making it into an f Florence. Florence. and like roar said, lions perfect <laughs> there we go twenty five idea apparently rlr baby rlr <laughs> like i said i don't want to extrapolate too much on that that topic because it's still a sore subject as of the time of this recording um i'll be extremely satisfied once the university comes up with better ideas and even like i've kind of talked about some of the local graduates of UNA who did go into graphic design and talked about, you know, the designs that they had created for the university and everything and how um, they had came up with better designs than what was actually submitted by the city of Florence. To further touch on some of the history of the University of North Alabama, the first African-American student who was- Yeah, Marjorie Hard. Words are very difficult, especially at 1 a.m. in the morning. Um, the first African-American student who was enrolled and graduated from the what was then Florence State University, who is now a retired corporate executive and even a former Reagan administrator. To further extrapolate on this African-American success, in 2018, the university renamed the Student Commons Building to the Wendell W. Gunn University Commons Building, Mr. Gunn, uh, who can still be found frequently visiting the university to this day, was the said individual who was the first African American to attend the University of North Alabama and to graduate from the UNA. You should have told me to not change shirts because I really had my Reagan Bush shirt on right before we started recording this episode. Exactly. And you saw me wearing it. That- We're in person this time. And you're like, you know what? That's a great shirt. You know, you should keep that on for the pocket. No, no, you let me change. See, Bobby, I didn't know you were gonna go change, and you know, I just, I just let you do what you do. You know, I, I, I don't trying to extrapolate into <laughs> what you do um, within your your personal confines, which this recording being within your own house, and everything. You know, dun 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 dun. <laughs> uh, but I just. I want to, you know, talk, and the reason I bring up uh, Mr. Gunn is because of my my personal connection with this individual and everything, and how much of a 
a great man that he is to not only the university but our entire country and everything the history that he brings but to touch on some of the history that revolves around the potential hauntings of the university i'll take us back to the american civil war dun, dun. <laughs> these are their stories these are their stories <laughs> wesleyan hall was occupied by both confederate and union troops during the war in the early years of the war the college was used as a headquarters of Confederate generals, such as John Bell Hood, and was later occupied by Union General W.T. Sherman. The university was believed to be saved at, after persuasion from the president of the university at the time, which was Robert A. Young. The, precis the precisionary measures was understandable due to the carnage brought by both the Confederacy and the Union most notably in this instance being Sherman's scorched earth policy, which you being a local of, you know, born and raised in Corinth, Mississippi, you absolutely know of the carnage that Sherman and his scorched earth policy brought to what was at just the time burn it. Just burn it down. the Confederate States of America. Yeah, just burn it down, you know? You know what? Destroy it all. Blow it up. Not here anymore. Exactly. And, you know, the, the the biggest thing that was a takeaway in, in modern day history books being the Sherman ties of Sherman digging up uh, the railway ties of, at the time, Confederate railways and melting, burning them down to where they were red hot and then tying them across trees, creating what was concurrently known as Sherman's bow tie. Huh. I don't think that really makes a bow tie, but... Uh... I can see where they, uh... Nope, I can't see it. I don't see a bow tie on that. But! Have you ever seen in, the, in in history books to where they talk about Sherman's bow tie to where they would literally rear up the railway ties connecting the, uh, the rail strips and then melting the center point of... Or, uh, um, excuse me. Heating up the center point of the railway strip to where it was molten hot and then prying it against a tree and twisting it all the way across to where it would make essentially the the bow around the tree and therefore it was being called a Sherman's bow tie. So no, let me be honest with you. In Mississippi, remember, what was the education level? Like not that smart. Yeah, or like fifty, you know. I that's why I have a hard well, time spelling half the words that you tree for, you know, is pretty difficult. Yeah, you know. I I'm gonna be honest with you. I've misspelled university about four times before I finally got it right. <laughs> so I mean, let, I mean, let's be honest. Whenever we type in alcoholic anomalies, we struggle with spelling alcoholic and, and anomalies, then, and then anomalies is thereafter. I think it took me ten times to put the <laughs> name in there. I was the, like, is this right? You know, the, the reason I get alcoholic anomalies correct at this point is typically I'm going off a screenshot that actually has <laughs> spelled out alcoholic anomaly, and that's why I'm able to get that word correct nowadays. But in the very beginning, the precipice of this podcast i was not able to get that correct <laughs> but what we was like taught in our history class when we talked about civil war well we talked about three battles battles of gettysburg yep i mean that's the big one mm -hmm. and then battle of corinth battle of shallow yep and battle of corinth honestly being foreshadowed by the battle of shallow yeah well all this i mean realistically there was three battles that were considered the Battle of Shallow. So you had the Battle of Shallow, the Battle of Corinth, the Battle of Farmington. 
Mm-hmm. It's all kind of now they kind of tie it all into one. Now. Absolutely. But I mean, we were taught that the Battle of Corinth is basically the big turning point in the war, because if you don't know anything about the Civil War, Battle of Corinth was over the railroad system mm-hmm. because that was literally the crossroads of the railroads in Corinth. They either go to the west coast or to the east coast. Mm-hmm. And so if you controlled Corinth, you controlled all of the railroads for the entire country. So for, for the entire Confederate states. The entire country. Anyways, uh <laughs> argumentatively, you know, the the rest of the entire Union at the time. But the the idea behind capturing Corinth was that if you captured Corinth, you captured the railroad, and therefore you cut off supply to the rest of the Confederate states. Yes, and then Shaw was basically over the river. Yep. So the Tennessee I mean river. you get all that into one, you basically can't get supplies to any of your troops that you need to get supplies to. Yep. So who yeah. are not to dive too deeply into the history of the Civil War. Soldiers, yeah, another podcast, uh, or potentially another episode. The soldiers who were already heavily under-equipped and under-prepared for war. But so since we've touched on you know the the Civil War and everything, I want to expand upon some of the potential uh, anomalies that occur at the university because of the Civil War. So it is said that you can hear the heavy footsteps of soldiers still on patrol in and surrounding Wesleyan Hall, and even the sounds of horses being restless while visiting the restrooms of the same building. Doors will supposedly open and close on their own, and even computers will turn on and off when no one is in the classroom. So I have heard all these things, and then I want to say... Whenever I did my tour, they said they could see a woman with a white dress every now and then mm-hmm. in the classroom. So, like, they could be just walking by, they see it at the corner of their eye, and they're like, wait a minute. Mm-hmm. Let's back up. And then, um, I want to say there's another time where they said that they'd be walking down the hall, and they'd, they would just be standing at the end of the hall going classroom to classroom. Mm-hmm. And so, I know several times, like, security or somebody had been called that building... And like they could find nothing. Absolutely, there was there's, like you said, several counts of security being called to the building, and a few full scan of the building, resulting in no one being within it except for security personnel. And honestly, so for those that don't know about the university, that's actually that building's not very far. Which I mean, there's not really any buildings very far from the lion habitat. So mm-hmm. most of them at night, they're like roaring, like it's pretty freaking loud. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, if you're hearing that over those roars, like, yeah, there's definitely something in there with you. The, the, the biggest aspect, you know, that kind of adds to college pride for, for me personally and everything was being at an 8 a.m. class and everything within the, the halls surrounding the, the lion pen and everything, being able to hear the lion's roar early in the morning or anything, you know, it's essentially was a yawn of, you know, waking up early in the morning and, but still, being able to hear the the lions and everything, you really added to the college pride. Oh, Leo and Una, R.I.P. Una, R.I.P. Una. Um, great tragedy for the university. But like I said, you know, Una being you know uh, tragically lost to us here in the recent years. But hopefully, you know, the the school pride still exists within Leo himself. But to extrapolate further on some of the 
entities that resist within Wesleyan Hall. So Jeremiah, who is allegedly a Union drummer, drummer boy, also supposedly still haunts Wesleyan, who is believed to have drowned in a local creek. It is said that his apparition uh, can be seen still soaked to the bone and that his wet footsteps can still be found throughout the building. So, I'm just trying to think, where is that creek close by? I mean, I know you got the river, you got, what is that? What park is that? Wildwood. Wildwood Creek? Mm-hmm. Where's that at? Uh, so, just uh, essentially west of the university, you can go to Wildwood Park. Um, which leads into the creek that leads into the McFarland? Tennessee River. Okay, gotcha. Never knew that. Because mm-hmm. I remember McFarland, like that's where everybody went. Like, Absolutely. If you went to U- to UNA, like that's the one place you need to go to. Like, because yeah. it's e- always everybody you know, you know, everybody you know, took their time to go out there and study. You know, kind of be one with nature in essence. Yeah, the boat races, like yeah, boat races, uh, fishing tournaments, things of the nature. Great restaurant down there, too. Great restaurant. Stanfield's on the river there. Yeah. It's been a while since I've been there. I have to make another trip back. Whenever you come back down to Florence, we'll uh, we'll Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Maybe get a fishbowl. Who knows? (laughs) And Uber back. Absolutely. So across campus, uh, on what was formerly known as the off-campus bookstore, sits a small house where legend states... In the late 20th century, a young girl had passed away due to rabies. In the late 18... <laughs> Better stop messing around with those raccoons. I'm telling you. <laughs> or those squirrels. So, so allegedly, the, the girl... Allegedly. Allegedly. So, allegedly, the girl had passed away after her dog had contracted rabies and then bit her. And then at the time, being in the early 20th century... The med- medicine was not at the point where she was able to be, you know, treated for rabies, and so did pass away to the due to the illness. And that's the one like not far from Pine Street, right? Well, I guess the whole university not far from Pine Street, but uh, <laughs> yeah, essentially right at the fork there, yeah, you know, left right, gotcha, right there at the corner was what was known yeah. as the off-campus. Bookstore. But it, they moved that now, right? Yes. It's over there by McDonald's. Right? Yeah, essentially the off-campus bookstore is, is no longer there. It's now a part, I believe, of the, uh, the entrepreneur side of the University of North Alabama. Gotcha. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I feel like every building on UNA's campus is haunted in some way. It, it's funny you say that because I'm going to, to extrapolate on that because there's a lot of truth to what you just said. So to expand further on the off-campus bookstore, in the 1980s, while the house served as a fraternity house, an account appeared where a girl had seemed to have wandered into the fraternity house and interrupted a few members in conversation to say, have you seen my dog? The girl then disappeared before the members were able to respond. Legend states that if you pass by the house and look into the second story window, you may witness the curtains move and a young girl peer out the window onto the sidewalk. And accounts of a young girl asking if anyone has seen her dog on the corner of campus is believed to be a common occurrence. During the time when it was the off-campus bookstore, there were several accounts of 
uh, off-campus bookstore workers saying that candy would appear missing whenever they would open up or whenever they're closing their shift at the off-campus bookstore. Huh. Which I never went in there. Um, I actually want to say they closed after my first semester there. Mm-hmm. Um, but you had that and then... I don't know what the house because literally there's a building across the street. It looks like an old house. Mm-hmm. That's where we had some meeting or something like that, and that's where I had to start my tour at. But they said that place sounded pretty haunted as well. Yeah. Um, what what's that building called? You know. So so there's Kobe Hall, which was a Kobe Hall, which is a very uh, mansion style building, and then also the the main building as you're going up uh, from downtown Florence. That main building, which is now used as an administrative building from university personnel, that is, like I said... Again, I haven't been to the university in like three years. I ain't set foot on the campus again, so I have no idea what the names of the buildings are. I can see them. No idea what they were. I haven't seen the new fountain, so... <laughs> um, I don't know. Like, It's always weird to think about, because like... You know, if you to see, if it's like plain as day, a girl asking if you've seen their dog, you know how I many people walk around on campus with their dogs? Oh, it's, it's stupid. Like, it, it's a large amount of individuals that, you know, will, will jog through the park or through the university and everything, you know, because it's even just, local people that aren't students, like, they, they do the same thing. It's a very safe university, and so it's a very safe place, you know, for individuals to go on, you know, like I said, a jog or a hike or whatever, what have you. But. Yeah. So, like, if you saw some, like, random girl asking if you've seen their dog, and you didn't know it was a ghost, but uh, I haven't seen it, and you just keep walking, like, just carry on about your day, you know? Exactly. You, you would think nothing of it, and, you know, you would keep on moving past it instead of thinking that you just witnessed something paranormal. And so that's where a lot of the accounts come from, that within that corner, you may be going on a friendly walk or a friendly jog and come across a, a small girl asking, have you seen my dog? Have you seen this puppy? Have you seen this puppy? <laughs> it's a little wood. Here's a nickel. So kind of like I discussed, across the street from the off-campus bookstore sits Kobe Hall where a female specter is said to haunt the first floor of the 1830s mansion. She is said to dislike chaos within what is believed to be her former home. So what you're saying is we're going to a big Project X party there. (laughs) That's all I'm hearing. I mean, if the university would allow it, I mean, I'm all for it. Oh, I think you got in with somebody. (laughs) It's your president. (laughs) I mean, let's... Let's not go too far in my my history of the University of North Alabama, but to to extrapolate, Kobe Hall is the size of what a fraternity house would be at the University of North Alabama or Auburn University, or like we talked about, a UGA or FSU. It is about that size. It is very uh, very much a mansion style of building. Again, I have no idea where Kobe Hall is. Uh, if you told me. Like, is it across the street, or is it, like, like across the street where it's, like, you have the Y here? So, so it's across the street from Norton. So, like, where the Y is, if you look right to the left of that Y, that mansion-style building. The administration building that we're talking about? That is exactly oh, Okay, gotcha. That is Kobe Hall. Oh, okay, gotcha. Yeah. 
Yeah, uh, we're don't write you there for sure. <laughs> for sure. So, so it, it's funny you 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 talk about that. So there are plenty of university events that happen at Colby Hall, for the most part being you know, hosted by the Lagrange Society. Lagrange Society being hosted primarily out of Colby Hall, uh, but a lot of the events do happen within the confines of the building or with outside of it. Speaking of LaGrange, do they even use that building anymore? Because I've heard some stories about that one. LaGrange Hall? <laughs> yeah. So so we're definitely going to talk about LaGrange Hall itself um, and the fact that it is essentially, you know, no longer used except for storage, except for by the members of the LaGrange Society. Yeah, because I've heard some stories about that one. But back to Wesleyan Hall. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this is something that we hadn't talked about yet in here. So basically, whenever it was being built, it was built by slaves. And in the middle of the building process, the slaves rebelled and they turned the post upside down for the staircase. Yes. And it has not been changed since that has been built. They left it alone. And I think that's the coolest thing that's probably in that building. Like, even if you, like, don't want to go for the paranormal stuff, I would go just to see that. Because that was one thing that I wouldn't have noticed unless somebody told me. And then once you notice it, it's, like, it's a very big, like, you can tell it's yeah. upside down. Yeah, that the posts are literally confined upside down in what you, like, like as you said, in an intentional manner. And... To extrapolate further, it was done intentionally by the people who were forced to create Wesleyan Hall. So do you think like maybe that one building, because it has so much negative energy, like the rebellion, all the death, everything that happened in that old hospital, all that negative energy kind of spread out through the entire campus and it just made everything on it so yeah i mean i wouldn't disagree with that theory that the university as a whole is able to grasp on to the paranormal because of as you said the negative energy that was created within whistling hall that you know the entities that lived in the history of um the university as the university expanded and more tragedy occurs so that these say, as we've touched on previous episodes, that these demonic entities are able to hold on to, say, the, the souls of the spirits of those who had attempted to pass on in the next life and kept them on this plane to now haunt what is now the University of North Alabama. Because my thing was, like, the only time I've been in there, mm-hmm. and this may be the only, re- the only reason why I haven't, I have only been in there one time, is because the entire tour that I did, like, it felt great. Like, I knew I was going to come to this university from the time I stepped foot on this campus. Mm-hmm. Whenever I see the energy change as soon as I stepped to that building, like, it changed, yeah. like, like, abruptly. Yeah. You can and, feel the history as soon as you walk into that Because if you walk in that front door, you can look at the staircase. And they told me, like, about the staircase before I went in there. As I was trying to pay attention to it. But, like, you walk in and it's right there in front of you. Absolutely. And so, they they told me after we walked out is whenever you could see 
like entities and stuff, especially on the second floor, like through the windows, anything like that. And I just remember because you know where I used to park. It was over there by the dorms and everything. Mm -hmm. And I would always walk by that building. I just remember every time I walked by, I would always have to look at it. Absolutely. For some reason, I would always have to look at it and then keep walking. Mm -hmm. Just acknowledge it. And he just kept walking. I didn't acknowledge any other building. Like, I could care less. I was on my phone half the time. Mm -hmm. But it didn't matter if I was on my phone or not. Once I walked by that, by that building, looking straight at it. Yeah. You accept the presence of that building. It's it's weird. And I feel like everybody on that goes on campus does the same thing. Like, they could know, even if it's just a random local just taking a jog through campus, it seems like every single one of them just looks right at that building and they keep going. Absolutely. And uh, even to kind of extrapolate on, you know, me going to downtown from where I currently live, where I drive past going to downtown, I pass that building every single time. And it's very easy to, you know, pass by, like you said, the, the remainder of the buildings with the university. But whenever you go past Wesleyan Hall, it's hard not to take a look at it. No, it's it's hard not to acknowledge the presence that that building has. Yeah, it's it's kind of weird because like, I mean, most of my classes were in the Rayburn wing of whatever building that was. Yeah, the, the college business essentially. Yeah, basically. So I would always have to either walk around it and go by the nursing uh, nursing building and go up that way. That way, I didn't have to go by it. Or if I was feeling lazy because I didn't want to walk up a bunch of stairs, I'll be about it. Which is a common occurrence as a university, you know, trying to skip There's out on so as many stairs. steps as you can. It's, it's all on a hill, basically. It, it, the entire university is on a hill. UNA is a very hilly area, even though it's argumentatively UNA is on a very small square basis as compared to a normal or an average Division One campus. It's all uphill, though. It's all uphill. You know, it, <laughs> it doesn't matter which way you're going, it's uphill. <laughs> it's very hilly, and especially if you were to park in a neighborhood facing north of Whistling Hall, you're going to walk up at least about 40 steps. I think, it's even, I think it's even more now since they built that storm shelter there. It, yeah, like you said, it, it's, it's probably more to actually get up to the, the plane that is now the University of North Alabama. And... On top of that, though, like with the university being downtown now as well, I mean, I feel like there's a bunch of stuff that's happened in downtown Florence that might be like trickling over into the university. Absolutely, and to to extrapolate on that, you know, the ghost tours that do occur primarily during you know Halloween time and everything. <laughs> spooky season, spooky season. The a large portion of those tours do take place at the University of North Alabama, but they do expand further into some of the history of downtown Florence since, you know, it is a extremely, you know, an essence of the foundation of the United States of America. It is an old city, you know, so there's a lot of history that happens within a small city that is Florence, Alabama which Florence, of course, is expanding and, you know, becoming one of the, the larger cities within Alabama, of course. But there's still so much history within the olden days, so much history that is expanding into the current era. 
especially the train bridge, you know, those concrete shoes, they just sink. They don't help you, they don't help you swim very much. Yep. Yep. Not gonna, <laughs> not gonna dive too far into that one because that's a whole story in its own. Oh because, no, is that coming up soon? Is the, I, I'm, I'm, like, it's like I said, you know, you never know what the next episode is going to be. Oh but gosh, I'm, I'm in your head again. Who, hey, I'm not going to tell you who you are, um, but I'll go and say, fuck you, Bobby. Uh, I'll go and use my wand. Um, I'll go and get it out for this episode, but... Oh, we got rescheduled now. <laughs> Gotta wait until you forget about it. We're, we're pushing that back to season three, baby. We need to start season two. Yeah, we're pushing it back. And it's gone. <laughs> and it's gone. But to kind of further expand on, like we've talked about, you know, some entities that do haunt the University of North Alabama, within the auditorium that we've previously discussed, which is Norton Auditorium, the ghost of a construction worker who met his demise in the construction of the building is said to uh, be able to create disembodied voices and noises within the auditorium, turn lights on and off, and even when the breakers are switched completely off, able to have the power to do so, and has suddenly and, and has supposedly responded when asked questions using a Ouija board. So, so one of the things. First of all, screw that. I'm not using a Ouija board for nothing. I was about to say. So something we haven't discussed in our our previous episode is the use or even the existence of the Ouija board. Yeah, screw that. No, you got it. You can if you want to do it. You got it. And uh, it you, you can have it by yourself. Unless you uh, do it this guy over here that's asleep. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm straight. <laughs> I am out Audi 5000 on that one. Yeah. The, the, the belief that, you know, the for us personally, that the Ouija board, you know, is able to invite, you know, the, the entity of something that us on the ethereal plane do not wish to be able to come into contact with. And so that is why Bobby and I, you know, tend to stand clear of the Ouija board. I, I tell you what, if you don't use Ouija board, do it at Bobby Mackey's, I might do it at UNA. Personally, in, in both those instances, I think I'm going to be okay. Okay, uh, good. I, I, do it. <laughs> I truly don't want to use the Ouija board. Uh, I, I've seen Ouija boards in the past and I just do not believe in the fact of using them because of, like I've previously stated, of what they may invite. So, dun dun. dun dun. These are their stories. And this is not the ghost adventure I want to explore. But, <laughs> Zach, where you at? Where you at? Mr. Bagans, uh, please stand up. <laughs> uh, but to, to further extrapolate on some of the ghosts that haunt the University of North Alabama. In a current fraternity house, the spirit of a woman known as uh, Fiji. Is it that house? I'm not gonna say yes, but I'm not also gonna say you're wrong. Um, the spirit known as Ella, who is a legend. Can go away from the fire. So, as legend states, fell down the stairs to her demise, and can be heard through her screams across the fraternity. house. The ghost is particularly active when females are present within the house. But from my personal experience of talking some from some individuals within this fraternity or anything, you know, the the belief that Ella is real and that she does persist in the fraternity house and that, you know, 
even attending study hours within the quiet of the fraternity house that she can make herself apparent through her either moans well <laughs> let's not go that far <laughs> but through her but through her screams or through her just wanting to be known that she is there she's a little more little attention you know just wants a little attention that's why she threw herself down the stairs and then didn't know it was going to end her, but she's like, you know what? Since nobody wants to pay attention to me, here I go. Whee! <laughs> and done. And it's gone. And you're done. <laughs> you're done. You're done. You're done. You're done. So, as I've said before, to expand further on some of the entities within the University of North Alabama, in Willingham Hall, Counts have been stated to hear loud pounding coming from the basement. Oh, yeah, they have. <laughs> it is Dungeon time. And we're not trying to dive, dive into... Uh... Fish Edge Ray, I know. It's, it's something different. Exactly. Let's go. Exactly. But when investigations turn up empty, uh, it is said that when you exit the basement, the pounding begins again. <laughs> they don't like a crowd in there. They don't like a crowd. It's funny that you say that, but as you exit the basement, the disembodied voices of several men can be heard coming from the basement behind you. In Willingham was a men's dormitory, previously in the history of the University of North Alabama, now serves as faculty offices. I mean, let me ask you, I'm not here to judge. What they do in their time is on them, but it was a dungeon. <laughs> but to expand further past William <laughs> Hall in the center of campus sits the Galat University Center also known as the GUC that had originally replaced a dormitory the spirit that now haunts the GUC is known as Priscilla who is believed to have hung herself in the elevator shaft you can allegedly hear Priscilla weeping late at night in the GUC, along with her disembodied voice crying out in sadness. I have personal experience with Priscilla. While in my undergrad, I had my own office in the GUC where I would stay late at night, either working on things for the university or for catching up on homework. And I was even known to sleep under my desk at the time. Many times at night, I would hear voices when the GUC was locked. The automatic lights outside of my office would click on when no one was in sight. Leaving the GUC, I heard what is what sounded like a sad woman talking to the stairwell near my office. And in this particular account, I investigated the stairwell. When I walked up to the second floor, the automatic lights were off. And only came on when I entered the room. The best story, though, that I do have is one late night that I was working in the office. I, which commonly I kept my door closed late at night uh, when I heard a rattle at my doorknob, which of course immediately drew my attention to you know this occurrence within my my peace of mind within the, the office that I had, and so of course adrenaline started flowing. Uh, you know, a panic kind of raised in, and of 
course, eventually the door opened. And Bobby, what did I see? Tower to land. I saw the janitor walking. <laughs> she she literally let out a yelp and was like, "Oh God!" And I was like, "Oh God!" And like, I was. Priscilla, uh, was that you? Is Priscilla? Please no. Literally was like scared, just about shitless, you know. And then finally, the janitor walks in just to take out the, the trash that I had within my office and everything. You know what? Just leave it. Just get out, please, get out. please, just leave me alone. Like I'm. <laughs> I was trying to go give this girl a hug, and she denied me. She just disappeared in thin air. Basically, piss is running down my leg. Like I need. Moment was too big. Moment was way too big. You, I don't like, know why you didn't have your phone out. <laughs> Record this thing. I was too damn scared to have my phone out. You know what? Hey, the other little button. Record. Step on your desk, prop it up. You're good. I should have done that mini nice because, like I said, <laughs> there were several instances of the the automatic camera, automatic lights coming on within the SGA offices and everything. And so, do you think my old apartment was haunted? As many noises I heard at night. Absolutely. That means potential. Potential. Have I not seen any, any video? You have. Yeah. I mean, there's some moans coming out. Things happen. You know, who's to say they're not disembodied voices? <laughs> Similar to potential disembodied voices of Priscilla. But, I mean, you know. As much fear as the legend of Priscilla put it within me, you know, nothing expands further within my belief that the janitor spelled within me that night, you know. Uh, scared the absolute crap out of her and absolutely scared the crap out of myself as I'm well. I'm thinking I scared myself. <laughs> <laughs> Who's to say maybe I did or did not go to the bathroom there following, you know? Um, <laughs> I, I won't Just disclose. bubble guess from there on out. <laughs> <laughs> I, I won't further, you know, expand on that information, but, you know, I'll, I'll leave it to the, the listener's imagination. Oh, it was bad. Oh, it's so bad. <laughs> don't think about it in your head. No, it gets worse. It gets worse. You don't want to know. But Bobby, so, you know, we've, we've touched on the University of North Alabama. You know, we've touched on the entities that potentially still haunt UNA. Is there any tribal knowledge of ghosts that still haunt the university within your mind? Or should we end the art investigation here? Personally, I haven't had an experience at UNA, but when was I really ever on campus? <laughs> I mean, I really didn't do much there. I mean, I skipped half my classes one semester or so. It was actually more than half. Yeah. I remember I showed up one class three times. Once yeah. take the midterm, once take the final exam, and the other one was the first day of class. <laughs> so, but to kind of expand on that, I think some of the the stories that we had heard from some of our friends that served in Lagrange Society, like we talked about early in the episode, you know, going to Lagrange Hall, which is essentially a condemned previous resident hall that now is primarily just used for storage. And students who serve on the Grange Society going towards the basement and everything to either put things in storage or to take things out of storage who had gone down there, lights all 
turned on. And then as soon as they get down there, the lights turn off. And as soon as you get to the room you're going towards, pick up the item that you're expecting, the lights all turn off. Yeah, I've heard that several times. Um, I mean, are they on timer? I mean... It's possible. You know, it's it's an old building. They used to say that it's not just a common two-way switch. Or who's to say it's on a timer? Who knows? Yeah. I mean, I would love to go sit in the GDC just to get me some Moe's like, lined up. Welcome to Moe's. Yeah, welcome to Moe's. Get me some Moe's lined up. <laughs> um, if they had some of that lined up for me, I would love to spend the night in GDC. Maybe venture over to Westland. Just to kind of see what we could like find. Absolutely. I mean, if you search for something, you're bound to find it. Absolutely. But I mean, again, who say our mind isn't just playing tricks on us? But again, bunch of history at UNA. Ton oh, 100%. Of ton of history. Um, ton of history solely in the fact of the university changing its name, if, like you said, about every 10 years. Okay, let me, let me say that back. There's not much history at UNA. Much of the history at uh, Florence State. Florence State, Florence <laughs> Teachers College, uh, LaGrange College. Yeah, and we you can, know, we can, we can, history there. On. UNA, not so much. <laughs> <laughs> 1974, we have, a, we have a smaller window to work with. Except for, you know, 1830, which the university claims that it's founding. Now, we'll say this, though, that we haven't mentioned. Mm -hmm. The hill that, you, that the university used to be on, LaGrange Hill. Mm -hmm. I think that's more haunted than the university itself. So you're, you're kind of diving into the local legend of the cemetery that is Absolutely. on LaGrange Mountain. And the devil worshiping that used to occur with on Grange Mountain. I mean, there's a reason why they keep a cop up there. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, I'm just gonna throw that out there. Like, if they didn't think something was going on there, they wouldn't put a cop up there. Yeah. For our listeners who may not be as versed within the history of uh, Grange Mountain, Grange Mountain does, and still to this day, have a history of devil worshiping that did happen at the precipice of what is known as the cemetery that lies on top of LaGrange Mountain, further past LaGrange College. Um, and so if we've previously discussed uh, a Cobra County Sheriff's deputy does stand at the entrance of LaGrange Mountain to deter visitors and potentially deter potential devil worshippers from entering the college or not only the college site, but also the uh, cemetery that lies on top of the Grange Mountain. <laughs> so my question then would be, because I know we have kind of discussed this, not on the podcast, but like personally, do you think some of the entities followed from whenever it was in on the mountain to where it sits now, do you think some of the entities followed, well, followed suit to kind of you know find that that closure? I guess. So, so for me personally, I believe that my answer would be no. That the the devil worshiping that does occur within the Lagrange Mountain does is not directly connected to the entities within the 
the University of North Alabama. But who's to say that I may be wrong in that assumption um, that some of the connections to the satanic may be invitations to the potential entities that do haunt UNA. Because you got to think, how many students come through UNA each year? A considerable amount. So, I mean, I, who's to say somebody isn't like a devil worshiper coming through there? I mean, the odds are better in their favor for that but i mean who's to say that they aren't like drawing in more entities into this one specific area absolutely you know to basically accept them into the the common grounds that they carry you know in inviting them to their presence yeah i, I, I guess it's the one thing that i'm grateful for when i get to una mm. i've never stayed on campus <laughs> <laughs> um they have to live in the dorm or anything like that Came in as a junior, and I was like, you know what? This apartment looks real nice over here. Let's live there for a little bit. See how that goes. But I mean, again, I've never had an experience there. Definitely, there's been like some creepy times there. Absolutely. But because I mean, I remember several nights where I was going to go walk around campus for some reason. Good thing why. And you know where I always went to? Leslie and all. Absolutely. It's hard not to be drawn to that building. I don't know what it is, but like every time I'd go walk around campus at night, like real late at night, I'd be close to Wesleyan Hall. Dun dun. Dun dun. Yeah, that's my closing thoughts on this. And understandably so, you know, Wesleyan being the uh, exclamation point within our investigation of the University of North Alabama. But Bobby, if you have. You know, no, no further comments. I'll leave it to you. All right, guys. Well, as you know, we drink throughout this podcast. We have somebody here with us that might be passed out on a bag <laughs> right now from some consumption of some beverages. <laughs> you might have heard him snore here and there. <laughs> uh, don't know how we don't wake him up during all this. <laughs> I know he's going to have a great day tomorrow. <laughs> um, but as we say in all of our episodes, again, this time we are face-to-face. Unlike most of our episodes, we usually do it uh, virtually, but this time we decided to do it face-to-face. And we are at my house when we started drinking. So if you're going to drink, please don't drink and drive. If you do need to go out or you do feel the need to go somewhere, Please Uber there. Uh, again, we want everybody to be safe. Um, if you are going to be drinking, please just do drink responsibly. So, um, if you or a loved one are struggling with depression or suicidal tendencies, please call the United States National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 800-273-8255. Help is available 24-7. Also, I got our Instagram and Twitter accounts up. I'm starting to post more on Instagram. I need to start posting more on Twitter. But if if you haven't followed us yet, please just go ahead and give us a follow. Our Instagram is at alcoholicanomalies. All one word. Pretty simple. Um, It's going to be the easiest way to find us. On Twitter, it's a little bit different. It's going to be alc anomalies so 
I'll spell it out for you. It's A-L-C-A-N-O-M-A-L-I-E-S. Hope I spelled it right. Can't make any promises against that, that education I got growing up. Have hard time spelling things. Hard Words are hard. But again, if you or a loved one are struggling with depression or suicidal tendencies, please call the United States National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 800-273-8255. Help is available 24-7. Love you guys.